Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, called, Let All the Angels of God Worship Him. Jesus humbled himself, but upon his victory through the cross and the resurrection, he has now inherited a more excellent name than the angels. Angels are called sons of God, Job 1.6, but Jesus is the unique son of God by nature. That's Hebrews 1.3, and it connects to verse 5. Take a look. For to which of the angels did he, that is the father, ever say, Thou art my son, Today I have begotten thee. To which angel did God ever say, you are my son? Answer, none. Now, this is important for you to understand, and I don't want to pick on Jehovah's Witnesses tonight, but they started it, so we need to respond to it. In Jehovah's Witness teaching, when you kind of peel back the layers, they believe that Jesus is the first and greatest creation of God, and he is Michael, the archangel. Now, why did they come up with that teaching? Well, Charles Taze Russell, who is the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, had a problem with the Trinity. And he would debate people. He owned a clothing store. He would debate people at the counter. And he began to attack the Trinity in his writings. And he denied the Trinity. So he taught that Jesus was created by God and not the creator. And so there needed to be some other explanation for who Jesus is. And Russell, who was repeating a heresy from the fourth century of the church called the Arian heresy, repeated that much later on and said that Jesus was created by the Father. He was the first and greatest creation of God. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that Jesus is the creator of everything. And he created principalities and powers, which would include angels. He's the creator of angels. And God never, ever said to an angel, you are my son. Today, I have begotten you. Now, some of you say, but wait a minute. That language of begotten is confusing. And maybe it does help the other camp. Again, I will be a father to him, end of verse 5, and he shall be a son to me. Two verses, if you're taking notes. One is a quote from Psalm 2-7, and one is a quote from 2 Samuel 7-14. The first quote from Psalm 2-7, the second quote from 2 Samuel 7-14. What are we to make of the word begotten? Today I have begotten you. Well, The whole section is tying to Jesus' inheritance as a son. And the word begotten speaks of the father bringing him forth. Just listen to this. You you can write this down because this is the actual quote, quoting section, Psalm 2, 6 through 8. But as for me, I've installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, thou art my son, Psalm 2, 7. Today I've begotten thee. And then... The father says to the son, ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as thine inheritance and the very ends of the earth 
as thy possession. Now, I want to show you one verse that will help clarify this. It's in the book of Acts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We'll come back to Hebrews in a moment. Taking scripture with scripture. Let's look at a sermon that Paul gave early in his ministry, Acts chapter 13, at a place called Pisidian Antioch. And he is preaching about the gospel in Acts 13, 30. We're going to read verses 30 through 34, and here's what Paul says. He's talking about Christ and all that was written about him, and he says, But God, Acts 13, 30, raised him from the dead. We know that the Father raised the Son, yet we have Scripture that says that the Son raised the Son, (laughs) and we have Scripture that the Holy Spirit raised the Son. Who raised Jesus from the dead? The Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit? All three. The answer is yes. Ding, 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 ding. You win the prize. But God raised him from the dead. This is Paul preaching. Uh, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, verse 9. So the resurrection is a vital part of our faith. And here's what Paul says. And for many days, he appeared to those who came up with him, Galilee to Jerusalem, the very ones who are now his witnesses to the people, Acts 13, 32. And we preach to you the good news of the promise made to the fathers that God fulfilled this promise to our children, that he raised up Jesus as It is also written in the second psalm. Here it is. Thou art my son. Today I have begotten thee. Look at the context. As for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Today I have begotten you does not speak of the womb, but of the tomb. Today I have begotten you is not a uh, God saying I made him or created him. It's saying I resurrected him. That's the context here. Everybody got it? Shake your head so at least I have a little bit of confidence. All right. So we're dealing with not a creation of Christ, but a resurrection. God the Father raising him from the dead. That is what the book of Hebrews is talking about back uh, there will go. And Paul, of course, explains it. F.F. Bruce puts some icing on the cake when he says, the implication here seems to be that Psalm 2-7 refers to the time when the Messiah, after suffering and death, is brought back into the realm of the living. Listen to it. Today, I have brought you forth. From where? From the tomb into the reality of resurrection. That's who Christ is. That's why, again, he is unique from the angels. You are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. We just studied the baptism of Christ, right? That's the father's declaration of the son. And when he, again, Hebrews 1.6, probably speaking either to a second supporting uh, quote to his superiority over angels, or maybe even to the incarnation that he became human, when he, again, brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all the angels of God worship him. Now, Jesus has a superior name 
And he is also superior as in the statement, he is the firstborn. If you want the word, it's prototikos. Everybody want to learn a Greek word? Prototikos. Say it with me. Prototikos. Now that's the word for firstborn. And it's kind of a cool word to show off among friends or whatever you want to do. Anyway, what does it mean? Well, here's where you have to take yourself out of the realm of Western culture just for a moment and put yourself in some Hebrew sandals. In Hebrew culture, the firstborn wasn't always the first one born. It was the one who had superior rank or superior position. David was the youngest of Jesse's sons. Yes, yet he was God's firstborn in terms of preeminence. Esau was born first, then Jacob. Who inherited the promises? Jacob. You have Ishmael born first, but who's the son of promise? Isaac. So in Hebrew thought, it doesn't have to do necessarily with birth order, but with rank. Who is it that is superior in this context? And just to bring home the idea that Jesus is not the first created being, because by the way, if you think about the word, look at the, the verse again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, see the kind of the end of verse six, the word for world there is not uh, cosmos. It's a world. It's a word that means the inhabited earth. So when God brought his son into the world, was he the first one born on earth? No. Who was who was first on earth? Adam and Eve, and then their children. So Jesus wasn't the first person born on earth. So what is he? Well, he has preeminent rank. Though he came into the world well into world history, he is the superior one nonetheless. He has the highest rank, the name above all names. In fact, his name is so high that God the Father says, let all the angels of God, not some, end of verse 6, let all the angels of God worship him. Pray tell, friends, brothers, sisters, how could God the Father tell other angels to worship another angel? And where in your Bible have you ever read that God would sanction the worship of somebody other than himself? I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't make an idol to worship it. In the book of Revelation, the Son is worshipped right before the Father, and it is right and good and true. How could that be if Jesus is some lesser being? Even if somebody wants to say, well, he's a secondary junior God. A junior God? I thought God was God was God. If you're God, you can't be a junior God, can you? Can you be sort of God? No, you're either God or you're not. And the Father is telling all the angels to worship the Son, and God says, I won't share my glory with another. Therefore, Jesus must be God and second person of the Holy Trinity. If you're taking notes, I mentioned to you the quotes from the Septuagint. This comes from Deuteronomy 
32.43 in the Septuagint version. And it's perhaps also a quote from Psalm 97, verse 7. And let me just read to you the, this is the Septuagint version of Deuteronomy 32.43. Rejoice, O nations, with his people. Let all the angels worship him, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries. He will atone for his land and his people. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. If you listen to Walk in Truth on a regular basis, we could use your help by becoming a monthly financial partner. Our mission on Walk in Truth is to help people like you become better equipped with God's Word to address today's issues, trends, and culture. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with other monthly expenses. What we really need is more monthly partners so the program will be sustained in the months and maybe even years to come. Our ultimate goal is to eventually become 100% listener supported and then have the ability to broadcast on more radio stations to reach more people like you. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner, giving $10 to $20 a month. You can give online today at walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH or visit walkintruth.com. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's teachings. 19 chapters later! We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides or give other demonstrations, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday sermons. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it, and Lord, one more thing, not... My will. <laughs> you can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael believes fellowship is important, so he prefers you attend your church on Sunday mornings. Or you can visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. Before we jump into it, would you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the youth upstairs enjoying a little bit of a party and celebration. But Pastor Michael understands some circumstances make it difficult to attend church services in person. So, you are invited to watch our 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service. God is not caught by surprise. A golden calf, I can't believe it. Moses may have been, God was not. To watch Pastor Michael's teachings live, hear the worship music and fellowship from where you are, follow our YouTube channel. You can find the link and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. No other gods before me. Don't make an idol to worship it. In the book of Revelation, the Son is worshipped right before the Father, and it is right and good and true. How could that be if Jesus is some lesser being? Even if somebody wants to say, well, he's a secondary junior God. A junior God? I thought God was God was God. If you're God, you can't be a junior God, can you? Can you be sort of God? No, you're either God or you're not. 
And the Father is telling all the angels to worship the Son. And God says, I won't share my glory with another. Therefore, Jesus must be God. And second person of the Holy Trinity. If you're taking notes, I mentioned to you the quotes from the Septuagint. This comes from Deuteronomy 32:43 in the Septuagint version. And it's perhaps also a quote from Psalm 97, verse 7. And let me just read to you the, this is the Septuagint version of Deuteronomy 32:43. Rejoice, O nations, with his people. Let all the angels worship him, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance on his adversaries. He will atone for his land and his people. So the Septuagint and the Dead Sea Scrolls, which many of you have heard about, show in addition to the first line of the verse of Deuteronomy 32.43, the Jews considered the final lines to be about the Messiah. And no doubt, God the Father is saying, Christ is worthy of worship, which therefore makes him God. Now, the question becomes, did Jesus ever receive worship in the New Testament? He did. In fact, uh, on the night that Jesus was born, the angels appeared and they began to sing glory to God in the highest. Let me just uh, remind you of a few places. The wise men come and worship Jesus. They fall down before him, offering gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. You guys remember that? Uh, in Matthew 14, 33, I want to show you this because I, I think it's important for you guys to have it as uh, something in your mind when you're having conversations with people. Go to Matthew 14, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So this is the miracle when Jesus uh, walks on water. And Peter also has a little walk on the water as well. Skip down to Matthew 14, 33. Jesus stopped the wind and those who were in the boat, what's your Bible say? They worshiped him and they said, you are certainly God's son. In Mark 3.11, when the uh, demons ran into Jesus, they would fall down at his feet and they would say, uh, you certainly are the son of God. Uh, you can think of in Matthew 28, they, he is worshiped. In Matthew 28.17, he's worshiped. The formerly blind man worships him. And even in John 20, 28, if you go back to Hebrews 1, and I'm sorry for going so fast, uh, Thomas says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus rightly says, you've seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who do not see and yet believe. Jesus did receive worship and he is God. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is saying emphatically so that these believers would know uh, that Jesus will pull them through. Now, we're going to go back to Hebrews 1, verse 7. We'll continue to see a little contrast between the angels and the Christ. Of the angels, he, and I think in view here is the Father, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, the Father says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, 
has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Now, some of this language is a bit difficult, but the father is speaking of the son, Hebrews 1.8, quoting from Psalm 45, 6 and 7, if you're taking notes. Psalm 45, 6 and 7. And God the Father calls God the Son, God. Now, if some of you are newer to Trinitarian theology, I understand this is a little bit of tough sledding. Because sometimes you're like, wait a minute. The Father is calling the Son God. I remember when I grew up and I knew some things about Jesus and stuff. When I heard people say that Jesus was God, it, it kind of confused me at the beginning. And, I, and it, it's hard sometimes to get your bearings and then to understand how could God be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, one in three. And again, as I said last week, some of these things are beyond my finite mind, but God is infinite. So my finite mind can't grasp everything that's infinite. Amen? I mean, that's just the way it is. So the text should guide us. And the text says, of the son, the father says, in contrast to the angels. So the angels are compared to winds and fire. That's from Psalm 104, verse 4. Uh, but the son, in contrast to the angels, is uh, addressed this way. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever and the righteous scepter, which goes back to Psalm 2, he will rule with that rod of iron, is the scepter of his kingdom. You've loved righteousness, you've hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. Uh, on Sunday, we looked at Acts 10.38, and we discovered that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit, and he went around doing good. Well, here's some of that language. The oil, uh, the anointing of a king, the anointing of our great high priest, if you will. And clearly, the father calls the son God. Psalm 45 is a wedding song originally describing the king of Israel, but later understood by the rabbis to be about the Messiah. And so there's a contrast between the royal person addressed and his servant companions. And some have seen in this that when Jesus went around in his earthly ministry, he had a ton of joy. You know, sometimes we see depictions of Jesus and we see him as a rather somber, serious guy. But he had his moments, certainly. And he was living in the shadow of the cross, but he was a joyful person. He had the oil of gladness overflowing from him. You've been listening to Let All the Angels of God Worship Him, part two on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in the book of Hebrews, chapter 1, verses 4 through 14. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. And could you please do us a favor and encourage a friend or family member to listen to Walk in Truth on this station? The same if you're listening on podcast. Please click the share button. If Pastor Michael's teachings have been a blessing to you, then our hope is they'll do the same for someone you care about. Thanks so much for spreading the word about Walk in Truth. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, when you begin to think about what's being said in Hebrews chapter 1, for example, the Father calls the Son God, talks about his throne, and then he instructs all the angels, think about that, all the angels to worship him. 
Therefore, Jesus can't be another angel. Angels, that is, good angels, refuse worship. They give glory to God. But Jesus receives worship. And not only that, he receives it also in Revelation 5, right there as the Father is on the throne, the Lamb receives worship. Go back and read Revelation chapter 5. And read Matthew 14.33. This is one of many places in the Gospel of Matthew that reveals that Jesus is God and who receives worship and doesn't rebuke the apostles for it, but receives it and commends them. Another place is John 20, verse 28, where Thomas calls him, my Lord and my God, and uh, Jesus receives worship and also receives being called God by Thomas. There's many other examples I could give you, but I think Hebrews chapter one is also sufficient to make the case that Jesus is indeed God the Son. We have God the Son, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And this is what the scripture unveils. I know it can be a little head-scratching and maybe hard to fully comprehend, but this is our God, and he is majestic in all of his ways. God bless you. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you soon. And as always, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. If you're a longtime listener, please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner. Your contribution helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast, and with some of the behind-the-scenes work for this ministry. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth partner for just $5 a month. And visit walkintruth.com to give. That's walkintruth.com. And join us Monday for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 4 through 14, called, Let All the Angels of God Worship Him. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.